Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to one of the founders of Geek Syndicate and fascinating individual, Barry Nugent, about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Barry Nugent. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Sam. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. The the, the year's treating me okay. Um, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I don't want to jinx it. The year's, year's started out all right, so fingers crossed the rest of the year stays the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, for, for anybody that doesn't know you in the, in the world of comics, what do you do in the world of comics? Um, oh, good question. lots of things Uh, oh well um i suppose some people would know me from the the podcast that i do which isn't primarily uh comics um although we do review comics which is um geek syndicate uh but part of the geek syndicate podcast network we do a couple of comic shows on there and i do a um i've just started doing a a brand new sort of comics um review show which is birds of geek um Geek Syndicate has now been around for, I think it will be 12 or 13 years Amazing. Um, this year. So when we started um, when we started podcasting, no one knew what a podcast was. Um, there were probably two, another two or three UK comic podcasts. Um, wow. That was it. Um, uh, we'd go to conventions, we'd ask uh, creators for interviews, and we'd then have to explain what a podcast was. Mm. Um, which at the time most people just said no to interviews. <laughs> um, but obviously, here we are um, many, many years later, and now um, uh, UK podcasts, especially UK comic podcasting, is massive now, which is uh, fantastic. Um, on the flip side, well, I'm not doing GS, I'm, I'm a writer, a novelist. Um, and I've started a transmedia project, which has been going for, I don't know how many years now, called Unseen Shadows, which are basically um, properties that are based around my two novels, which is supposed to be a trilogy, but it's, they're not finished yet. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> uh, I'll get there eventually. So from that, we've got, I think, about 10 one-shot comics, two graphic novels, um, and we were working on another... Um, graphic novel and a few comics as i speak holy smokes and where can people find that well you can find uh you can find geek syndicate obviously at geeksyndicate.co.uk you can find um unseen shadows at unseenshadows.com awesome it says it says what it is on the tin <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> That's excellent, and then on on twitter What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter, you can uh, basically the same. You can find me uh, at Geek Syndicate, and I also have an Unseen Shadows um, Twitter feed, which is just Unseen Shadows as well. Fantastic, great. Um, well, firstly, thanks for for being on Comics for the Apocalypse today. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Um, and from your uh, your random choice of number. Um, 
what's happened is that there's an asteroid on the way to hit Earth, Barry, I'm afraid. Typical. Um, yeah, I know. Just just my luck, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, I've, I've kind of got two situations for you to, to kind of work out. So the first is, so on the news, um, there's like a week left before the asteroid hits basically and you have to kind of come up with a bit of an action plan for that and then the next is when the asteroid actually hits so let's start off with so there's a week left on the news you know the they say that the asteroid is coming to hit what do you do um good question i was gonna say i would put together a ragtag team of uh, miners but then that's the plot of armageddon that's okay you can do that. So I can do that. The only difference. <laughs> Michael Bay knows what he's doing there. Yeah, it's fine. The only difference would be I would probably replace Bruce Willis with Jason Statham. Yep. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Excellent. Uh, maybe throwing the rock. We'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you if you want a uh, half billion dollar franchise, then you got to put it in the rock. <laughs> and some cars, some fast cars. Exactly. Jobs good. In. Yeah, cars in space, taking out an asteroid. <laughs> done. That'll probably be far, Fast and Furious 10, won't it? Yeah, it probably will be. It's not far off it now, to be honest. They've already taken exactly. down the nuclear sub in the Arctic, so... Of course. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? Um, so, so that's what you do there. But then when... So this, this mining um, ragtag team unfortunately <laughs> fails, I'm afraid, Barry. And uh, yeah, Jason Statham fell. I mean, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> He's tried and tested, but he uh, he, he didn't pull through. And uh, the the asteroid does hit the Earth, um, and so we're kind of basically thrown into uh, an ice age, essentially, um, from the fallout of that. Um, and uh, yeah, what what do we do from there? Uh, oof. You see, I was having this conversation with someone about post-apocalyptic stuff, and I right. was saying that my this sounds a really kind of fatalistic thing, but my kind of thing is I'm hoping I get wiped out in the first wave. Just straight up, just get it over. Just straight it. out. <laughs> Re- reason being, every because we seem to be on this. Um, sort of trend at the moment for post-apocalyptic stuff whether it's games tv shows films and i've yet to see one where i kind of think actually that's not quite as bad as i thought it would be i would mind having some of that yeah yeah um unless you're going to get to the stage of like your star trek next gen where i've got to get through the post-apocalyptic thing Mm -hmm. for then everything to be all right on the other side which to be honest i'm not going to wait 100 years for that i'll be dead long gone by that so I reckon, yeah, I reckon I'm just going to step into the path of the asteroid. That seems a bit fatalistic. Straight up. Cool. Yeah, straight up. Um, so, so in your last moments before the asteroid hits, um, you start reminiscing about all of the comics that you've read. Um, and, and the first question that comes to your mind is what, what, the, what was the first comic that you remember enjoying? Yeah, you see... It, it, it kind of changes. <laughs> it's sure. kind of, but it is between, because it's this thing of trying to cast my mind back. I mean, I, I turned 50 this year, so I find my memories going even more so these days. <laughs> um, but uh, it is a toss-up between um, a Tintin comic, because I remember getting, um, so I, I never used to uh, physically buy comics when I was a kid, because I used to get them as, 
uh, hand-me-downs from my older brothers. Nice. Um, and the only other way I was getting comics was when I used to go to my local library. I remember it's a bit of a sort of pilgrimage. Every Saturday I'd walk to the, the local library, which was about a half an hour walk. Nice. Um, and I would get out whatever Tintin book I could get my hands on. Um, and then I would come home and then I would literally spend that Saturday afternoon just reading whatever Tintin comic I'd got. I know I'd get books out, but I, that's what I remember really vividly because I sort of uh, barreled my way through all the sort of Tintins. And then I think it was when I first discovered comic shops that I then sort of started buying some Tintin books as well. Um, but the one I remember, I think it was the first one. I think it was uh, the Tintin, the Crab with the Golden Claws, which I think is the first one which brings in Captain Haddock. Brilliant. Um, and I loved, I absolutely loved the, the Tintin books. Um, and it was weird because I think we're in this sort of time now where people are trying to push the idea that comics are a medium and comics aren't just um, about superheroes. And I'm not knocking that because I love me some superheroes. Sure. Uh, but it was really weird for me because that, I didn't need to be convinced of that because the first comics I, I, I was picking up didn't have superheroes in them. Mm, yeah. Um, even after Tintin. I mean, I was getting some of my brother's Marvel comics, but even the first Marvel comics I remember reading were the Doc Savage Marvel right. comics, sort of reprints, because um, I'm a massive fan of, of pulp and stuff. Um, and and also I was reading... What's that thing I was reading? Tintin... Ah, 2000 AD. Can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, of uh, but you know, <laughs> but again, you know, I, I, I mean, 2000 AD was really the comic that it was my comic. That was a comic that I used to to buy, um, and that didn't have superheroes in there. It was no, it was, was sci-fi, you know. So by the time I really sort of dived into like your Marvel and your DCs and stuff, I I already had it firmly in my in my head that there were many different types of comics that I could get. Mm. so so yeah and and what was it about Tintin that kind of really grabbed your imagination I think it was I mean it was a a few years later I went to see um Raiders of Lost Ark which kind of really ignited my love of sort of adventure and travel even though I hate traveling Mm. (laughs) um but it sort of ignited that love of sort of faraway places and just kind of like two-fisted action and stuff and it was Tintin was kind of gave me that without me even realising. Mm. Because um, as a sort of young kid growing up in London, uh, we had a big family. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't go on holiday. We didn't have a lot of money. So um, Tintin was a great way for me to sort of just see see other places, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a world adventure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And just and just have these kind of crazy adventures with just crazy mix of characters. And I, I think I remember, and a couple of them were, um, a couple of the Tintin stories were sort of two-parters. And obviously, because I was getting them out for the, from the library, I think it was, I want to say it was Mystery of the Seven Dolls, I think it was one, I can't remember, um, which then led into another comic. But I remember I got the first one out of the library and it took me something like, I don't know, two months before I was able, two, three months before I was able to get the the second one which finished the story because every time I went to the library it was checked out. Stitch up. Uh, yeah, proper stitch up. Um, so yeah, so so again it kind of gave me that sort of uh, cliffhanger um, serial um, sort of experience as well. Yeah. 
So I absolutely loved it. I loved the art in it. It was really colourful. I went through a phase um, as a sort of kid slash teenager where I thought I was going to... One of my early earliest career plans <laughs> was that I wanted to um, be a cartoonist when I left school. Um, awesome. And that was from Tintin, you know, because I used to sort of sit and, and draw them and stuff like that. Because I remember when you'd open the Tintin books, the sort of inside cover flaps were like portraits of all the different characters like sort of stuck on stuck on like a wallpaper mm. um and i remember i used to sit there sort of trying to draw them out and stuff because they were quite what i quite liked about them was they were quite the art was looked quite simplistic but yeah it was really powerful and really um evocative when you would go to different countries and stuff and really colorful um so yeah i just i, I just thought it was a a great read with a, a great cast of characters and it, every volume just seemed vastly different from the one that went before it mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they were really funny i, I remember thinking you know mm. even now i've reread some of them and like captain Herc still cracks me up at mm-hmm. the time i didn't realize what an alcoholic was when i first time <laughs> Uh, you read it as an adult it's a bit different. yeah reading it as an adult yeah you think a little bit sinister i think had it could have done with a little bit of help rather than just laughing at him yes. but uh, <laughs> ha 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 he's yeah. just drunk and dirty in a gutter yeah mm. and i think i even vaguely remember one weird like i think tintin had, had taken some of his booze away and i think he, he, had, he kind of attacks tintin because he's kind of half hallucinating yeah. so um, yeah, yeah, it's got a bit of a dark edge to it actually. When I think oh, about cool. it, I'm gonna have to revisit Tintin. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of have a bit of fond memories of Tintin as well, um, and I think it's just it's capturing, just captures the imagination. Yeah, um, really, and, and and I guess that's what a good comic does. Um, you know, so it does it captures your imagination and kind of engrosses you in the story, really. Um, now the the asteroid is getting a little bit closer now, and so your mind moves on to what's the funniest or comic that made you laugh out loud the most. So uh, this um, comic isn't a funny comic in air quotes. <laughs> um, it's it's. Um, do you remember a comic called the Defenders? Uh, I I don't know, um, but I've I, I've looked it up. Yeah. Yeah, so back in the day, the Defenders were um, primarily, they were Doctor Strange, Hulk, characters called Nighthawk and Submariner. Mm. Um, But they used to change, the roster used to change, but it tended to always be the Hulk and Doctor Strange tended to be in there. And uh, this particular um, series, or this particular story they were telling, it actually had um, Luke Cage was in it. That's one of the things I remembered. Um, and they were up against a, um, a set of bad guys called the Wrecking Crew. I think it was called Wrecking Crew. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what I loved is, uh, again, Doctor Strange is one of them characters that I just, I always just loved. Um, and this comic, I just, <laughs> so there's two scenes this comic, which always make me laugh whenever I think about it, even though I've read it years and years ago. <laughs> the first is the Hulk, his having a fight with this guy called um oh, i think he's called i think he's called thunderball i'm trying to remember it now um not to be confused with a james bond film yeah um and uh <laughs> i think it's important to know i think the previous issue the defenders have got their asses handed to them and they're, they're basically been beaten up or whatever and this was like the sort of the comeback match and there's a bit where thunderball sort of smashes he, 
he's called Thunder Ball mainly because he's got this massive wrecking ball and he smashes the Hulk with his wrecking ball and then he's the Hulk won't go down so he's coming at him and he kind of grabs the Hulk kind of grabs the wrecking ball and you, you can see his fingers going into it um, and one of the things I love which you don't really get so much in comics these days is um, you had captions over the top sort of explain what's going on right. and um, I even I, I've had to sort of go and find the panels just so I can read the captions. So the Hulk's just caught this wrecking ball and it says in the captions, um, oh, that's it, yeah. Um, what Thunderball says to him first is, what does it take to kill you, Bane? Do I have to stuff this wrecking ball down your blasted throat? Then the caption says, not quite Thunderball because as every Marvelite knows, the matter Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. And you've made him very, very mad. Now, this might not seem funny, <laughs> Until you see the until you actually see the panels themselves, yeah. Because what you see is the Hulk slowly crushing this wrecking ball, and in between the panels, you see the um, you see the wrecking ball's kind of reaction to, or you see his face, not wrecking ball, sorry, Thunderball. You see his reaction to it, and the final panel, uh, sorry, the the penultimate panel is just. Um, him holding the chain of where his ball used to be because it's just been completely crushed. And in really little letters, him just saying, oh, my Lord. And then the next panel is the Hulk just smacking him against the wall. And the caption just says, the caption says, enough said. And, <laughs> enough said, yeah. <laughs> and as a, as a, you got to remember, I must have been, I don't know, about 10 or something when I first read that. I, I couldn't stop laughing. I was just in tears of laughter. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, it's just... I mean, there's another funny bit with um, Doctor Strange in there, but for me, it's it's that that one alone that just sums it up. And it sums up the Hulk. It sums up the Hulk mm. in one page um, and why you shouldn't mess about with him. No, so, no, yeah. no, never take him on. Um, yeah, that's, that's my advice to everybody out there. Um, never take on the Hulk. No. <laughs> By yourself, at least. No. <laughs> and so, badly. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and so the um, the asteroid gets a little bit closer, and your emotions change from reminiscing about about your younger years to, to the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read. Yeah, and this was a this is a this is a tough one actually because I think. Sometimes the, the difficult when you when you get given a list of comics is you then spend your time racking your brains trying to remember all the comics you've read and mm. and what categories they're fitting and and um, I really struggled trying to think and then uh, one kind of popped into my head is it is it the saddest most upsetting comic I don't know but I remember at the time um, it was one of those comics that when I read. It's basically a trilogy of um, comics, but I think it was the end of Volume 3 that just really sort of stayed with me. Um, and overall, I would describe all of the the comics as quite poignant, quite, you know, quite sad comics in many ways. And um, have you heard of um, the Porcelain series? Porcelain? No, 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 I haven't. So... Um, if I'd known that, I would have. I probably put that in my least known ones. Uh, porcelain, uh, porcelain is um, by Improper Books, right? Um, and it's by uh, Benjamin Reed and Chris uh, Wild Goose primarily. Right. Um, it's. Um, oh, I might have heard of it actually. No, yeah. Well, there's. No, there's mentioned. Wild yeah, Goose, there's but... there's three um, comics out, and as far as I know, 
they may do another one, I'm not sure, but it's porcelain, a gothic, a gothic fairy tale. It's porcelain, bone china, and porcelain, ivory tower. Right. Um, and yeah, the, the, the best way to describe it is actually how they describe the first volume, which is a, a gothic fairy tale. Um, and it features uh, a sort of a young girl who sort of finds a way into it's it's basically centered around this person called the porcelain maker who can make i suppose they're kind of like robots but they're made out of porcelain right um and it's and he kind of brings them to life and they can serve him and um he's a very wealthy man and this kind of street urchin um she makes her way into his garden and then you know they kind of form a friendship and it kind of charts her life throughout the three volumes um to say any more would do it a disservice and spoil it for people right um but i will say they are phenomenal reads um but very difficult reads um especially the the second two as she as she grows up and kind of has to deal with the world around her and stuff and make some quite quite harsh decisions um but yeah yeah fantastic fantastic books Fantastic. Um, and as the asteroid gets a little bit closer, um, your emotions evolve again into what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? Yeah, I can't... Generally, I can't think of one because I, te- I tend to have a, a bit of a pact with myself that I don't like being scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Some people crave that. I, I, I don't crave being scared. So I, I don't go out of my way to read horror comics or, or even, you know, um, scary comics of any shape. Um, so I can't. Yeah, I, I really, I really can't think of one. Yeah. Um, um, it's no problem. There's an asteroid coming towards you, Barry. Yeah. You I know, mean, that's, you're, that's you're scary stuck in enough. tracks. I mean, you know? yeah, that's that's horrifying. It's what's more scarier than about to be pulverized by an asteroid? I don't think exactly. it's going to be a comic. That's just totally, me. mate. Um, and so, so your your emotions go from being absolutely horrified to being a bit philosophical, and you're thinking, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Yes. So um, this one. Um, yeah, this this is a this is this is an easy one, he says. Um <laughs> great. Because um so the comic is well comic series is planetary. Yeah. Um which is by uh Warren Ellis, the world's writer, and um John Cassaday. Uh, and uh Earl Martin I think was colorist. And why I picked that so have you read Planetary? I haven't actually. Okay, so um, planetary. I'm reading the blurb now. What they called themselves was how it was pitched to me as well. Actually, at the time, it what they my friend had said to me is they called themselves the archaeologists of the impossible. Great. Um, and they're an organisation that is intent on discovering the world's history. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, funded mm-hmm. by the mysterious fourth man, the field team consists of three superhuman human beings: Jakita Wagner, the drummer and uh, new recruit uh, Elijah Snow. Um, and what they kind of do is, like I said, they kind of investigate strange stuff that has already taken place on Earth um, and kind of um, record it for, for, for planetary, for this organisation. 
and, and again, I'm not I'm, I'm doing it a real disservice by the way I'm describing it. Um, <laughs> but what I liked, what I loved about this comic is a lot of the stuff they investigate. Uh, if you know your comics, they're um, things that we know very well. So you'll kind of spot characters like Superman in there and, and Green Lantern and um, Doc Savage, especially Doc Savage and the Shadow and stuff. And um, it's a very, very pulp adventure um, comic, um, but it's so much more. It, it works on so many different levels. And the reason why it was so important to me is that um, I'd stopped reading comics. I think I think everyone has that moment in their lives where they kind of drift away from comics as a, be it a teenager or whatever. Maybe some people don't, but I mean, I, I definitely did. Yeah. Um, whereas for me, it was, I don't know, probably... Twenties, uh, something like twenties, thirties, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and it was my my best friend, my oldest friend, um, uh, Dave Monteith, who kind of called me up out of the blue one day and said, "I need." He just literally said, "I need to read this comic," and I sort of said, "Well, I don't really read comics these days," mm-hmm. and he said, "You just need to read this comic. It's called Planetary," um, and he did a quote in the comic, and the quote in the comic is from Sherlock Holmes. Um, so basically Sherlock Holmes is in the comic. I can't really say anymore because that would spoil it. Mm-hmm. But he kind of told me this particular page and I said, right, I'm going to pick it up. So I actually, I didn't actually pick up the first issue. I actually picked up one of the middle issues uh, just to see what it was like. Absolutely loved it. Went back, bought all the other issues. Um, and then I was kind of, that kind of kick-started me back into comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we Dave had a conversation because he was podcasts had literally only just started and he was listening to a podcast called comic geek speak. Um, and he said, Oh, well, I think we could, we could do something like that. Um, it, it took, a, it took about six months after he said that for us to actually do, sure. get around to doing yeah. anything. But effectively it was planetary that caused us to start, um, Geek Syndicate. If it hadn't been for Planetary, there would be no Geek Syndicate. It's, it's as simple as that. Brilliant. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's always going to be a very important comic to me. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet um, John Cassidy um, in New York um, at several years ago. Uh, lovely, lovely fella. Nice. Um, yeah, it's amazing to, to to hear kind of the the meaningful comics. It's the uh, it's probably the most powerful. Uh, comic within the list uh, because you know it does have a special place in in uh, the the guest's heart and yeah it's an amazing story to to hear that that's what kind of basically um got the geek syndicate podcast going and and you getting back into comics um and so the the asteroid is still coming towards you um it's it's pretty much entered the atmosphere now um, it's getting really big. Um, and so your uh, your next thought is, what's the most underrated comic that I've ever read? Um, yeah, this is a, it's a difficult one actually because I wouldn't. I suppose the reason I've picked this one is because it's a it's a comic series that I absolutely love that I kind of feel like more people should be talking about. Um. But that's that may just be because it's very close to my heart. And he has brought out a second volume, 
Um, but I'd like to see it get a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eighth volume. Um, mm-hmm. And that's uh, Half Past Danger. Half Past Danger, right. Um, which is by uh, Stephen Mooney. And I believe in some of these, some of the um, issues, I think the colours were done by Geordie Belair in some of them. Um, and it, it's kind of like Razor the Lost Ark meets the dirty dozen meets jurassic park wow that sounds rad um and uh so the blurb for this is uh history meets prehistory in his two-fisted race against time set during the backdrop of world war ii um actually i'm, I'm going to skip that yeah so it, it, it's centered around uh tommy irish flynn which is just a great name um, and his team and, and the work where it opens, they basically stumble across this kind of secret Nazi um, base and experiments. And they're, they're kind of genetically um, building dinosaurs. Um, and, and again, to kind of give too much to say anymore, kind of gives too much away. Um, but the, the meeting doesn't go very well for, for Tommy or his men. And he ends up sort of back in New York, a bit of a bum, um, drinking himself to death and then he kind of gets called upon again to kind of put together a mission to go back to this island uh, but to take a kind of sort of special team with him one of whom is effectively doc savage i don't care what anyone says mm-hmm. and you have and and a ninja and a kind of femme fatale femme fatale slash british agent and uh what I, again what i loved about this is this is unashamedly a kind of tribute to films like uh, Raised the Lost Ark, but the great thing about it is it, it does it in its own way. It's not a rip off of it, right? Um, and, and again, we were lucky enough to I've interviewed Stephen um, Stephen Mean a couple of times um, about the comic, and I've reviewed comic as well. And it was just it was lovely to talk to someone who's such a fan of pulp adventure in the same way that I am. Um, okay. And I just don't think enough people talk about this comic because also i mean it's stunning it, it looks mm. stunning it's a it's a cracking story it's got some of the um best action sequences i've i've read in a, a comic um there's a particular sequence on a train which i just think is just fantastic um so yeah that's half past danger there's two volumes out there's two volumes out at the moment and it's by um i think it's by idw Awesome. Is is that a com- complete story now, or? Is it um, well, I mean, the thing with volume, the, the the way it's done is they're kind of self-contained. Great. Um, so you can just pick up volume one, and you can just read volume one. I mean, it does finish the story, but it ob- obviously it leaves a bit of a thread dangling for mm. volume two, and volume two does the same thing. But th- there is a self-contained story that's told in both volumes. Brilliant. Excellent. Um, and so the the asteroid is getting really close now, Barry. Um, and uh, one of the your your penultimate question before it hits is, what's the, for me? What's the best comic of all time? Um, I. Mm. I think it would be difficult to not pick planetary. Um, 
if I had to go with my heart, I, 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 for me, it'd be planetary because I just think it, it just ticks all the boxes for me for the kind of stuff that I'm into and the kind of stuff that I love and the amount of things that comic inspired in me, not just geeks in the cabal on my own sort of writing journey and stuff like that. Uh, I think it would be wrong for me not to pick it. And it does what it does so well. As I said, Mm. it's the, the writing's brilliant. The art is gorgeous. It's, it's the sort of comic that every time you read it, you kind of get something new from it because you've got to, you kind of got to wrap your head around it, which is the kind of blessing and curse with um, Warren Ellis's writing. Sometimes is you've really got to concentrate when you read one of his comics. Yeah, um, and it's one of the few comics that I've bought um, as an absolute edition, uh, which should sort of tell you everything you need to know. I would mm-hmm. say kind of I, I was really in an armor about this question because I couldn't have one that. I know everyone picks Watchmen or The Dark Knight and things like that, but another one that I really remember reading because my wife had bought it for me. Uh, she bought me the absolute edition of it um, for no particular reason other than she she liked the cover, thought I might like it, and mm. I was I was ill at the time, and, and I remember reading it on the floor because I I wasn't in bed, I was like lying on the floor with it, and um, that's New Frontier great um and it's just i just love that comic because it's just a love letter to um superheroes yeah and i i just which i think is um star it's darwin darwin cook isn't it new frontier pretty sure it's done maybe yeah um yeah and i i just yeah it's a it's a stunning stunning comic and it's all kind of it's about the justice league but it's it's almost like a, a historical um look at the justice league sort of down through the ages yeah it's set in the i think it's set in the 50s maybe 50s or 60s yeah yeah i think that sounds about right um but yeah it's it's phenomenal if, if you've not if you've not read it or if anyone hasn't read it who's likes superheroes even if you don't like superheroes, I would I'd go and pick it up. It's it's really really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, fantastic. Um, and uh, what 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 in particular is it that you think that it kind of makes it kind of the the, the top of the game? Um, what, the pla- story? Planetary. Uh, well, new new frontier. New frontier. Um, I think what I liked about it was it was just. It was just a really colourful look at superheroes. I don't know. I, I can't yeah. really. It's been a long and to be and to be quite honest, it's been um, quite a few years since I've read it. You maybe want to sort of go and pick it up again. But okay. it, it was kind of. It reminded me of what superheroes should be like. Um, in that they should inspire you. They should inspire mm. people, and especially they should inspire um, kids, which is something that I know. I got a lot of my moral compass, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I had, you know, my, my family, but a lot of my real moral compass came from my geek pursuits. So, and a lot of that came from comics, you know, a lot of it came from the superheroes that I was reading that certain things you did, certain things you didn't do, um, certain things that you did because it was the right thing to do and you you should make a stand and you should try and help people and a lot of that i got from the comics i was reading at the time 
Um, and I think New Frontier is a kind of tribute to that sort of stuff, um, whilst at the same time just exploring the, the difficulties of doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, I liked it. So it's a glorious, um, a glorious book. Amazing. That's a, that's a great reason, Barry. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's amazing that you know uh, these stories can have such a massive effect on us. But mm. um, yeah, it, it's very very true um, about kind of it. It makes you think, and kind of what you were saying before, like it's really important for for children um, to think about these things. And um, uh, you know, what would I do in that situation? And you know, when they do come to not the exact situations that the, the superheroes are in, you know, um, <laughs> but you know, something kind of transferable, um, and then they choose the right path because yeah. of what they learnt from that story, basically. Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, and so, um, as the asteroid is coming right towards you, you can feel the heat coming off of the asteroid um then uh you want to think of one comic from your list as you are hit by this asteroid <laughs> um, which one do you choose from your list uh it's planetary it's a uh, it's yeah it's a it's a no-brainer for me it's it's planetary all the way um I wish I could pick. I wish I could pick comics with more volumes than Planetary, just because they'd last me longer. Those final fiery moments before I'm destroyed. But you know, sure. take what I can get. <laughs> totally. And so you think you have Planetary, and then you blow up in a, a <laughs> ball of flames, Barry. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear your answer to our last question, um, which is with with your apocalypse situation in mind, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take? So as well as having planetary in in your mind, what what would you take in in with you to the to the fiery ball of the asteroid? I'm gonna go with, um, and I've just been yeah, I've just I just remembered New Frontier. I'm gonna go with Green Lantern's ring. Awesome. So you're gonna wear that just at, just as it hits, just as it hits, <laughs> and, and see if it works. Yeah, yeah see if it you works. might no. you might as well give it a go. Well, to be fair, no, my luck, it won't be charged. So, you know, I I won't have a battery, it won't be charged. I won't know, I won't be able to remember the Green Lantern Oath, so I'll still end up a fiery, fiery crisp. But at least you tried. But at least I tried, which is the important thing, kids, which is one lesson to take away from this podcast, is at least I tried. (laughs) The more you know. (laughs) Exactly. Fantastic. Well, Barry Nugent, thank you so much for, for sharing the comics that you take into the asteroid apocalypse. No um, it's, it's been a real pleasure. And, and for the listeners, one more time, where can they, uh, where can they find you? Uh, so, yeah, so you can uh, find me uh, rambling on over at geeksyndicate.co.uk. Um, if you want to sample any of the novels that I've written or the comics which I've spun off from the novels, probably the comics more, um, would be unseenshadows.com. Uh, Fantastic. Um, and then do you have anything else coming up this year? Um, as I said, uh, I'm hoping that we will have a, another graphic novel which will launch this year. Um, I can't say too much about it yet until um, 
we well basically I'm waiting to put together a little pin up um, poster that will kind of announce it properly. So I was just waiting to get that done. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks uh, that will be on the sort of unseen shadows website. Nice. Nice. So, definitely follow Barry on uh, on Twitter, and I like. I'm sure it'll be all over there. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Barry. Um, and and I hope to see you soon at a con. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. Bye. Right. See ya. Thanks again to Barry for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show. Please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps other people become aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Barry's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.